It's Tuesday, July 25th, and this is Good Will Talk Daily. Welcome back, everybody, to Good Will Talk Daily. It's great to be with you today. Uh, really excited to be diving into an interesting topic today in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be talking about fasting, and uh, hopefully... This is something that's encouraging and challenging to you as we dive in. Let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 6, just looking at a couple different verses, 16 through 18 today. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it is not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Fasting. I don't think there is a spiritual discipline that is more difficult in the American church than fasting. Because we eat all the time. I mean, we just do. It's, it's, it's a part of how we fellowship together. We fellowship around the table. right? When we have fellowship hour, what do we expect? We expect food and coffee. That's it. My food and coffee, and that helps lubricate the conversations so that we're able to have a good chat about whatever God is doing in our lives, whatever God's doing in the lives of our family and friends. We eat together. Eating together is key. You have somebody over to your house. You're having them over for a meal ordinarily. You're normally not having somebody over and not giving them a drink, not giving them food. This is just a part of American hospitality. You have somebody over, you feed them. Well, while that's very much true in a hospitality culture like it was in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, there was an expectation that you would take a break from eating, that there would be fasting, right? It's, it's, it's in the language that we use. We call the first meal of the day breakfast, right? Break fast. You fasted through the night while you were sleeping. You break the fast through eating. So there's this expectation that we go through rhythms of eating and fasting, but we don't tend to fast. And when we do fast, we don't tend to know why we're fasting. We don't tend to know what the focus is. And so sometimes we fast in order to get something. Or we fast in order to discern something. I, I've done that myself. But in this context, in the context of this sermon, in the context of the wisdom literature of the Sermon on the Mount, I think that the, the connection between prayer and fasting and the emphasis on forgiveness is something that we don't want to miss. When we looked at the section on prayer, we noticed that there is this line in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then 14, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then he goes into fasting. Fasting here in this context has forgiveness in view. We fast in order to mourn, if you will, our own sin, and in order to mourn the ways that others have sinned against us, that we might more readily forgive. Fasting is not so that we can receive something from God, but fasting is a recognition of our weakness. It is a recognition of our grief over sin and the way that we succumb to temptation. And so as we look at fasting here in this passage, there's an expectation that we will engage in fasting as a part 
of our asking forgiveness of the Lord and our grief over sin. Fasting was ordinarily a grief response. So if something bad happened, you would fast in grief over what had happened to you and your family. This was a way of coming before the Lord and demonstrating physically through the refraining of eating food, you would demonstrate your brokenness before the Lord, your weakness and your need for supernatural provision. Well, in the same way, when we sin against the Lord, if we recognize how evil, how awful our sin actually is, then what we do is we grieve over our sin and a a natural grief response in the first century. And I would argue maybe a natural grief response in the 21st century that we need to take more seriously is a willingness to fast from food. And when we do, we don't fast, even in our grieving, in a way that highlights the grieving, in a way that highlights the suffering that we are enduring through our fasting. We don't make a big deal out of it. So say, oh, look how holy he is. Look how in touch with his weakness he is. Look how much he recognizes that he needs God's grace. We we don't elevate our spiritual awareness through fasting by making everybody look at us. But instead, we're supposed to fast in a way that nobody else can see it. Anoint your head with oil. Wash your face. You don't want it to be obvious to others that you're fasting, only to your father who is unseen because he's the one that you're confessing your sin to. He's the one that, you have, that you've sinned against. The, David, when he, when he does the worst thing, when he takes Bathsheba and when he kills Uriah, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. This doesn't mean he had not really hurt Bathsheba. It doesn't mean that Uriah wasn't victimized. They were. But in comparison, God and his holiness, he is the one who's been offended by our sin. And so when we sin against him, our grief should lead us to fasting. We pour ourselves out mourning before the Lord over our sin, and we fast. When's the last time you fasted because of your sin? When's the last time you fasted in grief and mourning over your sinfulness? In recognizing your need for forgiveness and recognizing your need for a Savior. And so I would encourage you to think through this coming week. Meditate on the ways that God has saved you from your sin. Take stock of your life. Consider where sin may still be just a dominant force in your life. And I, cons- I ask that you consider mourning over your sin, recognizing just how awful your sin is in light of the glory and holiness of your Savior, Jesus Christ. When we sin, we offend the one who died for us. When we sin, we make light of his sacrifice. It should lead us to grief. It should lead us to mourning. Would we fast in response to our sin, that God would be glorified, that we would receive the blessing of forgiveness and grace and restoration. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we would have an accurate assessment of our own sinfulness. Would we understand the true weight and wickedness of our sin? Would we not play it off like sin isn't that big of a deal? Would we, rec- would we see your holiness as so beautiful and our sin as so marring that we would mourn and grieve our sin?
would we be stricken with grief when we rebel against you? We are your children. Would we fast and mourn? You promised that as we do, not only do you visit forgiveness upon us, but you give us your blessing. You bind us up. You comfort us. So, Lord, would we take advantage of this thing you've given us, this gift you've given us called fasting, as a way to grieve our sinfulness and receive from you the grace that you freely offer in Christ? Help us to be a grieving yet grateful people when we consider our sin. We love you. and We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being with me today. I'll see you again tomorrow right back here at Goodwill Talk Daily.